Welcome to the Stronger Business Podcast, where we discover how to get stronger together. What is up, entrepreneurs and business owners? We are back this week again on the Stronger Business Podcast in the studio today with a special guest, somebody that's internal, works with us here at Brown and McCook. He is here to help us get financially stronger. We're all here to figure out how to make more money, pay less taxes, and create passive income so we can live our dream life. He knows exactly what he's doing on the passive income side. Internally, he is our voice of reason when it comes to investments, research, all the things we do here. Um, He works with us every day here in the office and at the studio. He also owns a small investment firm and portfolio. He has spends all of his time reading, researching everything to do with stocks, investments, business financials. Judson Reynolds, my man, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. All right, you ready for this? I think so. I'm as ready as I'm going to be. You going to share some knowledge? You going <laughs> to teach us all how to get rich? I'll, I'll try my best. All right. So, you are a firm believer and what you refer to as value investing. Correct. You believe in investing. You spend most of your life reading books and researching investments and Warren Buffett and people that have been successful through investing. What is value investing? Most of us don't even know what the heck that is or means. Yeah, value investing, I mean, it's it's kind of funny. I consider all investing value investing because if you're not trying to buy something for less than you think it's worth, then I mean that's not really investing. So, but I guess in terms of when you when you talk to people in the financial markets and stuff like that, value investing is really trying to find great businesses that are really undervalued and holding them for the long term. I mean, you are trying to find great, well-run businesses that you understand, and you're trying to buy them for less than you think they're worth. So this is not buying things that are meme stock plays? No. This is not options or puts or all the fancy little ways you try to day trade and make money fast. This is buying solid, stable companies and staying in it for the long haul to make money and dividends and appreciation through their how they perform as a business Mm -hmm. not how they're traded every day on the market correct it's it's not speculation is what i like to call it it's it's you know you're focusing on the fundamentals you're focusing on what and it doesn't just apply to businesses it applies to assets as well i mean you're focusing on what the asset itself produces and not what someone else is willing to pay for it at any given point in time so that is Fundamentals, not necessarily market value today. Correct. All right. So when you say businesses, you're not talking about, hey, how do I go down the street and find a pressure washing business to buy? Or how do I go find a business to buy that's here in my area? You're referring to businesses that are traded on the stock market, right? Correct. I mean, that's what stocks are. They're, they represent part ownerships and businesses. And so if you treat it like that and... You know, if if you're if you're buying into a part of a business, you're not really looking to what someone else is willing to pay for it. You're looking at what the business actually produces. So, that is what we I, I like to use the word business as opposed to stock because it kind of gets you in the right mindset of looking at the business as a whole, the fundamentals, how it's run, the economics of its industry, instead of you know the number moving up and down the chart and you know stuff like that. So most people don't look at it that way. They're buying Apple stock. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm buying Apple stock. 
Right. I hope the stock goes up and I make some money. Right. But in reality, you are buying part of Apple as a company. You are a owner of Apple's business. Mm-hmm. You, if that iPhone does well, you, you do make well. money. If it doesn't, you do not. Over the long term, the success of the business will determine the success of your investment. So, and I think what a lot of people don't understand is that as a shareholder of Apple stock, you have just as much rights as Warren Buffett, who owns, I think, 916 million shares of Apple stock. You may own 150 shares. Well, if Apple were to liquidate tomorrow, they would, you know, given their balance sheet, they would pay out, I think it's around $3 per share in cash to you as an investor. Every shareholder would get that $3.10 in cash. You know, Warren Buffett owns 916 million shares. He would get more in terms of whole dollars. But as a percentage basis, y'all have the same rights. You know, he's not going to get paid first before you do. Y'all are on the same level. So when you when you are in the stock market, E-Trade, Scott Trade, financial advisor, whatever it may be, you are truly buying into that business. Mm-hmm. And essentially, you're right. You have the same rights, restrictions, opportunity as Warren Buffett, or even as an executive for Apple mm-hmm. that owns, that has a stock option mm-hmm. plan or a yep. share plan. So yep. um, I think that's something most people don't realize. Most people look at the stock market or stocks as somewhat phantom investments. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, they are concerned and worried. And they, probably for most of our listeners that are entrepreneurs and business owners, they probably don't even invest in the market. They, yeah. I mean, maybe they have a retirement account, but they don't really know what it means or where it's invested or if it owns companies, um, or or maybe they have an investment account, maybe not. So do you encourage everybody to buy businesses and stocks through the market, or and how do they start? Do they do that on their own? Should they have somebody in their corner making these decisions for them? How do you find out if Apple is a good company or not? Yeah, so I think... In my personal opinion, and other financial advisors might disagree depending you know, on what they think, but in my opinion, someone who does not study the market every day, it's not their job, it's not you know, what they're passionate about, they should really just invest in what's called, you know, or in a S&P 500 index or a mutual fund that tracks the S&P 500. And what that basically does is that, that gives you a little piece of, of the 500 best businesses in America and you just you basically just you know hitch your wagon to them and, and and as they perform well you perform well and it really diversifies you to where you know you're not subject to apple dropping 20 percent or 30 percent in a day and watching 30 percent of your value go down and you're not having to spend the hours and hours of research it takes to figure out if apple is a good company or the long-term prospects of apple and in different companies like that so that is the statistics back it up it's one of the best performing I guess investments you can make. I, I believe over the past 20 years, um, 91.4% of actively managed hedge funds, mutual funds, etc., have all underperformed the S&P 500. <laughs> and so, and that's not even included. That's just based off performance. Let alone the fees that they take out of your account to help run their fund. You know, they got to pay for the analysts to do research and stuff, so they take that out of your account and. And throwing fees on top of that, you know, it's they're still underperforming. So I, that is, to me, the best investment an individual who is not um, willing to put in the time and research into the market. That is the best investment they so can that, make. That's great information, and I read that over and over and over. Hey, if you if you don't know what to invest in, or you're not actively engaged in 
knowledge and expertise around this, the S&P 500, and, and go that route. Um, and it just really means you're buying a piece of the somewhat the biggest 500 companies in the United States. And these, because they're very well-ran, stable, historic big companies, that's probably value investing. They're mm-hmm. probably financially, fundamentally, uh, for the most part, pretty strong. Right. It would depend on, I mean, value investing more of looks at, like, okay, for some reason, Apple reported earnings that are not what people expected. Therefore, a bunch of people sold the stock. They don't think it's a good investment. You know, you have a lot of short-term oriented investors that, you know, if Apple doesn't have a good quarter, they're going to sell the stock and say that, you know, the company's no good. Well, what that does is it it makes Apple cheaper, and so you can buy, you can get more bang for your buck if a stock goes cheaper. So, the S&P 500 is kind of a thing where if you dollar cost average, meaning you put you know a set amount of dollars or buy a set amount of shares per month into the S&P 500, you will overall turn out well. Value investing is kind of, yes, you are looking at fundamentals and stuff like that, but it's more of... You're trying to buy it on the low. You're trying to buy it on the low, okay. or you're trying to buy a company that maybe is out of favor in the market and it's not getting the you know it's a much better business than what the market is is thinking of it okay that definitely makes sense and at any given time the market is just what people mm-hmm. at that time are willing to pay for it the business yeah. could be extremely strong i think in some cases you show me hey man this business has more cash and assets yeah and it's profitable than they're even valued they could liquidate and you would make money buying yeah. it at this price and yeah. so um Let's get back to the S&P 500 for a second. Mm-hmm. For anybody that wants to invest in that, this is this is just investing we're talking about. We're not talking – people get so confused, and I deal with the clients almost every single day. They think investing means retirement account. Oh, do I need a simple, a setup, a rock? If you put things in a retirement account, you can't take it out until you're – 59 and a half or older without getting penalized. When you take it out, you're going to pay taxes on it. We're talking about just sticking money somewhere and making money. Just having an investment account or an investment portfolio, you stick it in there, you buy stocks or you buy the S&P 500. It's not a retirement account. You put money in whenever you want to. You take it out whenever you want to. Um, It's got tax beneficial cap gains and dividends associated with it. But you can do that through your own, through a financial mm-hmm. advisor. This is not something that's like, oh, you do this on your own. You could financial advisors, um, yeah. uh, CFPs, yeah. uh, an E-Trade account. This is open to yeah. everybody in all sort of format. Yeah, especially nowadays with um, kind of the automation and all that, it, it has become easier than ever to open up a brokerage account and just fund it. I mean, you could go to Fidelity or TD Ameritrade, or I think they're Charles Schwab now, but... Um, anyone like that and open up a brokerage account in like 30 minutes and fund it and then start, you know, investing, you know, 10 minutes after you've opened the account. So it's very simple and it's become a lot easier to do. All right. So for most of our listeners, they're entrepreneurs, business owners, some have stable income, some fluctuate based on the seasonality of their business, some are in growth mode, they're cash heavy. Um, Do you recommend for the entrepreneur, business owner, investor, do you hey you got to have 20 grand to start and you need a lump sum to throw in there and you need to throw in a lump sum once a year or you're like man just start just do 200 a month or whatever it may be what's the mm-hmm. best way for somebody that has no idea what they're doing or when they should do it to start at least this basic premise and process yeah i mean you know 
throw whatever money you think is comfortable, whether that's $100 or $1,000 or even $10,000. I mean, if you're investing in the S&P 500, throw $10,000 in there if that's what you're comfortable with starting out. Um, you know, especially with they've created this thing called fractional shares, which basically means you can buy a fraction of a share. Um, so you don't have to pay $175 for Apple streamers, $175 right now. You don't have to pay $175. You could pay, you know, $20 and own like, you know, 20% of whatever, you know, Apple's trading for that time. So that has made it a lot easier in terms of, you know, you don't need a specific amount to invest. You can invest as little as $10 into something in, you know, in a $4,000 stock. But, um, yeah, it's really whatever you're comfortable with. And in terms of getting in a rhythm, I would really suggest, you know, dollar cost averaging, put setting aside a little money each month, the same amount, and just putting that money into the S&P 500 or your portfolio and just let it letting the because you're going to buy when it's high, especially with the S&P 500, you're going to buy when it's high and you're going to buy when it's low. Um, you know, if you're trying to do, you put a little bit of money in in month one and then a little bit of money in month eight, statistics show that, you know, the 10 best days of the stock market, in fact, Bank of America came out with a study recently that said, you know, since 1930, if you missed the 10 best performing days of the stock market each decade, you would get a total return from 1930 all the way to today of only 28%. Wow, and if it's not very much. No, and if you would have held, just put money in, dollar cost average, and just held and not gotten out or gotten back in, you'd have made seventeen thousand percent or seventeen thousand seven hundred percent. So I think being consistent is the biggest thing. Just so, putting a set amount of dollars in so there. So what you are screaming right now is you can't time the market. Correct. Stop trying to time the market. Stop trying to to time when you're putting money in, or oh, I don't wait till it's down. Right? Put money in on a consistent mm-hmm. level, you will win. If you try to time it, if you just yeah. miss 10 days every 10 years, yeah. you are screwed. Yeah. And it's not going to, not screwed, but you're just not, it's just not going to perform. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's consistent time. You combine those things and you're going to make money. But if I said, Judson, man, this is so freaking boring, dude. I do not <laughs> want to be in the S&P 500 putting $100 a month and making 8 to 10%. Like, I want to invest in stocks and mm-hmm. businesses. I want to get rich. I want to have fun with it. I like the excitement of investing in companies that are growing. I want to make more than 8 or 10%. Mm-hmm. What do I do? Yeah, I mean, start cracking open those annual reports and reading about the, you know, the best businesses. Um, it is really, you just kind of, I think Warren Buffett uh, said something uh a student came to him or a student from a university came to him and said, hey, how do, how do you find these companies? How do you start or whatever? He said, you start with A and you work down the list. I mean, you just look at each company you can find, read their financials, and I mean, eventually things are going to pop out to you. Things are Once you start looking at them, you're going to know what to look for and, you know, they're going to start showing themselves and revealing themselves in terms of how cheap they are and, you know, you'll see that the market can do some ridiculous things in terms of 
you know, a stock, like, like we talked about before, a stock having $3 billion in cash and can be liquidated for, you know, that, that amount of cash. You could pay off all their liabilities and still have $2.5 billion of cash left and the company's selling for $2 billion. I mean, you, it's stuff like that. You will find stuff like that when you just start digging and searching. But you got to start somewhere. You just got to start reading. And that sounds like super intimidating, but it's mm-hmm. the same thing we do every day in business. I mean, you're looking at a P&L mm-hmm. and a balance sheet, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's the same thing in if you're a single member company that's running QuickBooks Online, you look at your P&L and balance sheet every month. It is the same if you're one of the biggest companies in, in the country. You have a P&L and a balance sheet. And yeah. That's where it tells you everything. It's just bigger numbers. That's the only thing. It, that's the only real difference there is. Is it's bigger numbers. So there isn't. You don't buy stuff because you heard a buddy on the street be like, "Hey, I heard that Apple's about no. to take off," or "Man, I heard they're coming out with this VR headset, so you need to buy Apple stock." Or yeah. You're not buying it based on some report you subscribe to every month and mm-hmm. pay them $100 to give you stock tips. You yeah, no. truly sit down and look at P&Ls and balance sheets for companies yeah. and be like, man, this company is way undervalued compared to the yeah. profit they're making and the assets or the yeah. cash they have in the bank. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I will. you will, by reading stuff, you'll hear you know reports or articles and you can say oh that sounds like an interesting opportunity let me read into that but just buying off of what someone else is saying is uh, never a good idea in my opinion but yeah i mean i will there are things called special situations i mean at the end of the day i'm trying to buy things for less than i think they're worth and i'm trying to find good companies how that comes about can vary greatly it could be a company that just went into bankruptcy and then they are you know coming out of bankruptcy they've changed management they've you know paid off their debt or they've gotten a haircut on their debt and stuff like that and you know the the economics of the company could be really good moving forward there's special situations like spinoffs where you know a company may have a part of its business that they don't like or isn't performing too well so they'll spin it off and then you'll see a bunch of people sell that stock you know in the new company and it gets super cheap and you buy there so there's a lot of interesting special situations where you know, the principles are still the same. You're buying something for less than you think it's worth. The way you're doing that is a little bit can vary greatly, and that's where you find the best deals. All right, so where do I go to start to find this information? I don't even know where to find P&Ls for companies yeah. with stock. If I heard that Chad Brown Incorporated was about to start being a vendor for Apple, and I think this company's going to take off, they're strong, they got a awesome balance sheet, like – where would I even go to find out what's going on with Chat yeah. Brown Incorporated? Yeah, so uh, in terms of the financials, there's a the SEC.gov. Um, it's called the EDGAR database. Um, it basically holds all of their financials. Every every public company has to put their financials on this database, and so you have things like 10Ks, which are an annual report by the company. Just gives you it's about a 150 to 200 page document. That just gives you the management, just runs down what all has happened in the year, tells you what they're expecting, and then runs through the financials. Um, You have 10 Qs, which are the same thing as 10 Ks, but quarterly. Um, And so that's where you can find really the great information. 8 Ks are kind of like news or press releases that they do. Um, In terms of finding those ideas, I like reading the Wall Street Journal and Thomson Reuters. I think those are good. Um, They provide a lot of... uh, you know, news stories that they're pretty easy to run through. Yahoo Finance is another good kind of uh, source to get it. One place I don't really like is CNBC. They they have a uh, they try and cover every stock in, under the sun, and it's not 
they don't provide great information um so i i kind of stay away from them but um yeah, Yahoo Finance, Wall Street Journal, and Thomson Reuters are where I go. So I think we're probably shocking people right now because they don't realize you can access financials and bank account balances for every traded company yeah. out there. So I think this is like a big piece for all of you listeners is you can go look at financials to pretty much any company you want that's traded on the any of the, the big markets. Yeah. Um, not only that, can you do it from a value investing standpoint, let's say... I don't know, you own a commercial cleaning company and you're like, mm-hmm. Man, I don't know what my financials should look like. What if I want to grow and be huge? Yeah. You can go find a publicly traded mm-hmm. commercial cleaning company, see what their margins are, see what the percentage payroll they're paying, yeah. see how much they're investing in assets or capital expense uh, assets and CapEx. Um, mm-hmm. All those things are there. And so it's not just necessarily learning from a how to invest you can learn how to be a better business owner through these things too oh yeah absolutely i mean you know uh that is that's how i've really learned about accounting the most is because they've gone through and they explain why this is on their balance sheet they have called notes on their financial statements and it's i mean don't get me wrong it can get pretty uh pretty boring and pretty monotonous but it is super interesting to see hey this is why we have accounts receivable on here this is how we account for them and why they're this number and you can just learn so much i've i've learned you know other than reading uh you know some warren buffett's books and benjamin graham's books reading financial statements of companies has been the the biggest thing that has like taught me the most about investing it's real life boots on the ground Mm -hmm. how things look and looking at real numbers with the real companies that you know and use every day it's not in some accounting textbook of some abc sample company it is real life stuff yeah that you get to not only see real numbers, you get to look at prior numbers and mm-hmm. how things have changed over time with that company, over quarters, over years, yeah. and say, hey, when this when COVID happened, this is what happened with this company. Yeah. So I think it's really cool insight uh, from an educational standpoint. Now, from those out there that are like, oh, my God, I hate freaking numbers. <laughs> I hate financials. I hate accounting. I hate everything to do with numbers. Um, can I just pay somebody to do this for me? Is there a way to pay somebody to do value investing for you or is there a way to to hit your cart in in some way that where you're taking advantage of buying these awesome deals out there for undervalued companies or is it nah you're pretty much on your own you gotta go figure it out no there is i mean you know you've got your investment advisor who is you know can be can help you out in that sense i mean there's it, they're kind of exclusive, but kind of hedge funds or like investment partnerships that I run. Those are those are very kind of exclusive. But if you have, find the right manager who's a value investing, uh, you know, oriented manager, you know, you could throw in a couple thousand or whatever. But that that gets real. Um, that's real private and exclusive, and there's some rules surrounding that. I would say, yeah, investment advisors tend to do a good job, especially as of late. I think a lot of people are moving more towards value investing or you know, away from the efficient market hypothesis, which we won't get into because it's a little bit in the weeds. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, I think a lot of people are starting to be more toward more value oriented. So you could find investment advisors and, and and even funds. I mean, there are ETFs that you know of mutual funds managed by great you know great managers that just it's called a value investing portfolio, and they just these you know seasoned veterans just look at 
companies that are undervalued and you're basically hitching your wagon to them so yeah there is there there are ways to to do that is this people that already have a financial advisor in place they just need to ask these questions or ask say hey here's here's the direction i want to go here's what i want to know more about or here's what i like to kind of allocate some funds yeah yeah i would say you know yeah go to your if you have a financial advisor go to them and say hey really interested in value investing i really like value investing funds i mean etfs that kind of have managers that are value oriented um and they'll tell you more about it and they'll you know obviously each they'll they'll give you their take on it but yeah you can and, and you can also i mean there's a ton of information on google and the internet about very you know very simple does a very good very good job of explaining this kind of information um on a on a very base level so yeah that makes sense and i mean i guess the important thing is just start investing and start yeah getting your money to work for you yeah um and and here is god i tell people this so i mean just over and over it's interesting i had i had a client ask me this this week uh and it was it was it's investing but it's not stock market it was rental property he was like hey how do i come up how do how do people get the money for a down payment or or people ask me all the time hey how do i get the money to start investing and it as a business owner an entrepreneur in your personal life you've got to spend less than you make yes you cannot invest in any you, everybody needs to be investing everybody should have their money working for them growing uh, growing faster than inflation getting some sort of return yeah. on their investment but you cannot invest if you don't figure out how to spend less than you make you got to have money left over every month to set aside to have a down payment on a rental house or set aside and put in the market yeah or set aside and value to invest or set aside and start a business yeah you got to spend less than you make and God, we have trouble with that now. Yeah, because I, I think the access to cheap capital is is very you know credit and the credit cards and stuff like that. That makes it very easy to spend more than you actually have, and you know it, it is a discipline. It's an it's an emotional discipline. It's it's it can be tough to do, but I mean, yeah, if you spend less than you make and you invest the rest, it, and you have a long term you know long term horizon you're virtually i don't want to say guaranteed but you are you're you are pretty, well on your way you're to pretty make. much guaranteed yeah. I, I i agree and again even bad investments over time a lot of yeah. turn out i mean they may not be as good as what you could have done or could have yeah. got in but even not great investments you make money and you come out better than if you just spent the freaking money so you yeah. got you've got to start figuring out how to spend less than you make you've got to start figuring out how to not load up on so much debt credit cards car payments mortgages that are more than you should be paying um and just hoping it's all going to work out i think people fail to recognize i mean especially on the mortgage side with house prices so high right now you are you are going to pay that every month for the next 30 years like yeah you got to look at both sides of it hey you can make a lot of money through investing over the course of time but also, what is that house costing you over time, over the next thirty yeah. years? If it's a, if it's a five hundred thousand dollar house you can barely afford, and you got a high interest rate, the house is going to cost you one point four million or something when it's yeah. all said and done. It's, and 
Yeah, and a lot of, I think the problem with the way people look at it is they say, okay, here are my costs. This is what I need to make to cover those costs. I mean, and and for businesses, that's, you know, (laughs) yes, you have overhead, but it should be the other way around. It should be, this is what I think I can make. I need to cut costs in accordance with that instead of the other way around. So, yeah, I think it's a mindset shift and really being disciplined. What, uh, I have my opinion. I'm curious of yours, and I'll share mine after you do. What percentage of people's income do you think they should invest every single month in something? In something? Um, I think, you know, 10%, and I don't, I haven't, I don't have a firm opinion on it, but I think something around 10% of your, of your net income should be invested in, in, in something, whether that be real estate, whether that be, you know, um, a farm or, you know, stocks or in the market or whatever. It, it should be invested in it. it. should be working for you and making money. Um, investing in an asset is important. Investing in an asset that actually produces something and isn't just a storeholder for value. I think that is that is very important. I 100% agree. Um, 10% is the number. I think everybody should be investing a minimum of 10%. Yeah. Um, I think for most people, you know, some of that's going into a retirement account potentially for business owners that often percentage wise doesn't make sense from a tax perspective. But I think if you're investing 10% and you do it consistently every month over time, then you're going to be in an awesome position 10, 15 years from now. Um, I think if you really want to change your life, if you really want to have passive income, if you want to figure out how to financially like get free and, and have just kind of next level live your dream life, I think it probably should be 15 or 20%. And that yeah. that sucks for some people. You can't have as nice a car tomorrow or you can't yeah. have as nice a house as your, your neighbor sometimes or finish your basement. But in 10 years from now, you're going to have way more money and passive income and monthly income yeah. coming in. So you can, you can quit your job or your spouse can quit your job or you can go spend three months in Europe. I think mm-hmm. it's man, make the short-term sacrifices to, to get the long-term benefit. And I know for me, that's truly changed my life. Um, yeah. I, I I try to invest a minimum of 15 to 20% um, of my income and my family's income. For us, we split it up. You know, we, we, we go into real estate, we go into stock market, and we go into business. And so we're kind of dividing up into those three buckets. And there is, again, they're all, they all are amazing. They all work great. They kind of all go together. When things are good, mm-hmm. they do good. When things are bad, yeah. they, they all kind of do bad. Yeah. Um, but that's, I mean, I think that's hugely important. And that 10% number kind of resonates. I, I will say if you're, if you're doing 3% or you're doing something like that, I hope you love what you do because you're probably going to work forever. Yeah. Because you dang shrink a bit of live off Social Security in the lifestyle you're living now, yeah. and you're just it's just not going to be enough. And especially if you didn't start as a business owner, um, you know most business owners that are first five or ten years in business don't do anything, which is not financially fundamentally sound. You got to manage your money this way from the start. But most business owners don't even start setting money aside until five or ten years in, and so you're already yeah. behind the eight ball. And if you're doing three percent or five percent it's just not going to be enough yeah and i think it is a thing of you do have to have some sort of delayed gratification i mean you do have to sacrifice a little up front in order to benefit you know exponentially on the on the back end and that's you know that's a problem that persists throughout investing is a lot of people are very short-term oriented and focused which is why you'll have these you know crazy market movements and irrational stuff is because everyone's really short-term focused but if you're long-term oriented and you you know you focus on the long term and the end game i think 
uh, your mindset being like that will lead you to the right the right answers most of the time. All right, my man. It is time for our Stronger Business Podcast Max Out Moment. Yep. This is Juddy's Max Out <laughs> Moment. If you were to leave our listeners with one tip, one takeaway, if you don't take anything else from this entire episode, what is the one thing you recommend, the one tip, the one takeaway? Say, hey, listen to this. If nothing else, just listen and follow what I'm about to share right now. Yeah. I think there's there's really three things where they all go hand in hand, and that's, you know, thinking of stocks as businesses, like, you know, what they are, and having a long-term oriented approach and focus, and then remaining unemotional when things like, you know, a market downturn comes on and people on CNBC are screaming that this is the end and, you know, all that. Just having, remaining unemotional and detached is, is a huge huge thing when it comes to investing man that's so hard right now for people with the media and stuff it's like oh my god the banks are closing the stock market's gonna the united states is gonna go under yeah and this stuff's been around way longer than you have it's gonna continue to be around it's gonna continue to go up yeah every stock i know that's decent is worth more than it was 20 years ago and 50 years ago every house i know is worth way more than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago things go up things make money and grow they make you money they need investors they're going to grow you're going to keep buying their products or living in the houses yeah um the long-term strategy and removing emotion is huge i know for me that is why i mean i am this is what i do like numbers and business taxes financials for a living i am not disciplined enough to manage my own stocks or my own investments Mm -hmm. because i even as disciplined as I am, I get emotional about stuff yeah. or I start having ideas. That's why I need a financial advisor. I need mm-hmm. somebody to take it out of my hands because yeah. when, I mean, this is an exact, this is exactly what happened with me and why I think it's important to remain unemotional or have somebody else as a barrier to keep it out of your hands. Um, COVID hit, things fell apart in March. I'm like, oh my God, this is brilliant. I know a way to get rich. Yeah. I called my financial advisor. I said, sell everything and buy Clorox. Like, sell it all. Everything (laughs) we own, I want to buy Clorox. And he's like, you are insane. We play the long game. We don't do that. We're not selling everything you own and buying Clorox. That is a crazy, insane gamble play. And I got pissed. Like, we argued. (laughs) I got pissed. At the end of the day, it's my money. I could have done what I wanted, but I listened to him. Clorox took off. It tripled. I would have tripled my money. And I was like, I was piss um <laughs> but whatever um seven months later yeah clorox was in the tank and everything i owned had now took off yeah and what i have is continuing to grow and clorox has continued to not perform well and yeah. so that is a very exact example of short-term thinking and emotion i, I would have temporarily made money mm-hmm. but it would not have been sustainable what would i have done after clorox i would I have sold when it three times? No, I'd have thought it would yeah. go to five times. Or yeah. I'd have, when it started dropping, I'd have sold and then gambled on something else. At some yeah. point, you emotionally start gambling, and I think that is a bad place to be. Yeah, yeah, it's that is a very common story. Um, and that's why, and, and even during 2020, I think March, when the market was crashing, as value investors, that was, you know, that was the – it, it was go time you know that's when you, that's when you start you know when when everyone about you is losing their heads you know you 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 start buying so yeah and that's 
that whole Clorox story, that's, I mean, that's a tale as old as time. I mean, even <laughs> even as, uh, you know, the South Sea bubble, Sir Isaac Newton was doing stuff like that, and he lost, I mean, $20,000 um, in, in those times. So, I mean, even the smartest people fall victim to that. Yeah. And so Take it is, it, yeah, it, it is it is quite common. Take it out of your hands. Well, yep. that is how you get financially stronger this week from the Stronger Business Podcast. Uh, appreciate you all listening in. Judson, appreciate you joining us today, yep. man. Um, this has been awesome information for our listeners. I think this is something everybody needs to think about this weekend. Figure out how to start following some of these steps. Figure out how to invest in, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Stronger Business Podcast. We're excited to come to you again next week with more tools and tactics to help you get stronger in your business and in your life. Check us out on Instagram at Stronger Business or follow us uh, on our website at StrongerBusiness.com. Have an awesome rest of your day and we'll see you next week.